want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and uh, go back with me to John chapter 11, John chapter number 11, and uh, you probably remember, it hasn't been very long since we've been in John 11, we were just here just a few days ago, and boy, I'm telling you, God began to, God began to speak to my heart in a, such a special way. And I want to try to share what the Lord has given me. I'm going to try to share it with you today, and I trust that it, it'll be a help. I hope it'll be a help and a blessing. And so John chapter number 11 in your Bibles, and when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. And I want to talk to you about this subject today. Why did Jesus cry? You ever think about that? Why did he cry? Well, I believe we're going to answer that today, and I, I, think it's, I think it's going to help you. So John chapter 11 in your Bibles, and we're going to start in verse 31. Now, you know the story. We preached from this story last Sunday. Uh, the Lord Jesus has come to Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead, and uh, so we're not going to read a lot of Scripture today, and we're not going to even preach. Um, we're not going to preach the greater part of that story. We're just going to try to draw some verses out that are in this story and so look at John 11, verse 31. The Bible says, The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now look at verse 33. Very important. When Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35 is that famous verse. If you don't have any other verse memorized in Scripture, you've probably got this one memorized. <laughs> Two words. The Bible says, Jesus wept. But notice verse 36. The Bible says, then, after what? After Jesus wept, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. Exclamation point right there. Behold how he loved him. You may be seated this morning, and I want to talk to you about that subject, why did Jesus cry? And I hope this is going to be a help to you, man. I hope it, <laughs> I hope it helps you as much as it's helped me this week. And uh, uh, sometimes, I'm not even going to say that. Let's just go ahead and pray. All right, Father, we love you. Thank you so much for, Lord, the wonderful service that we've had this morning. Father, if we had the closing prayer right now and went home, it would have been well worth our time to be here today. Lord, we've been encouraged by the music. It has, it has lifted our spirits. Lord, uh, we have been encouraged by the great singing, the congregational singing, the choir, the specials. Father, we've been encouraged by the, by the fellowship. And so, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for all that you've done. Now, Lord, as you've done many times here at Calvary Baptist Church, I pray that you would knit our hearts together as we learn what I believe is a great truth, maybe a life-changing truth, and I pray that, Lord, we'll go home different than we were when we entered earlier this morning. 
Lord, speak to hearts. Holy Spirit, have your way. We best, The best that we know how, we plead the blood of Jesus over this service. And Father, I pray that you would bind the powers of darkness and keep them out and without and off this property and out of this building and out of our hearts. And I pray, God, that you would keep your blessing within. Bless our discussion this morning, please, Father. We love you. You're wonderful. We praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Well, the scripture does record definitive times when the Lord Jesus Christ died or when the, when the Lord Jesus Christ cried. And I thought it was important to start out by saying that. And the reason is because it's okay for you and I to cry. It doesn't make you less of a man to shed tears. And uh, it comes a little easier for our, our ladies here at Calvary, but sometimes us fellas, it just seems a little demeaning, you know, to our, our male ego if we shed some tears. And I'm going to be honest with you, church. I'm not really sure if we can be completely Christ-like without occasionally having our hearts spoken to and shedding some tears. We find here the perfect example. The Lord Jesus Christ cried. It's also interesting that the scriptures only record the Lord Jesus crying on three different occasions. And I want to point those out to you today, if I could. Three different occasions we find in scripture where the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, when looking out over the city of Jerusalem. Now, you don't have to go there because I want to draw your attention to John chapter 11 today, but let me just read the scripture and I'll give you the reference if you want to jot it down. Luke 19 and verse number 41, the Bible says, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, wept over Jerusalem, saying, if thou hadst, if thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. And so the Lord Jesus comes and he looks out over Jerusalem. And boy, I remember so vividly my wife and I back in 2019 of July. And, uh, and you, you've heard me say all this before, but we went more, um, more of a mission trip than it was a, a tour to the Holy Land. But we did spend one day in Jerusalem. That doesn't, doesn't leave a lot, but we spent one day in Jerusalem. And I remember in that little bus is our crowd of about uh, 20 or so, we were making our way. When you go up to Jerusalem, uh, it's up on the mountain there. And I remember we were making our way up to Jerusalem. And, and I remember that uh, some of those on the bus were Hebrews and, and Jewish people. And they began to sing. They began to sing these Jewish songs as we were making our way up to Jerusalem. And so our, you know, our excitement, my wife and I, we had never been, of course, and our excitement was mounting. And I remember when we finally got up there to that famous overlook. Usually when you see the city of Jerusalem, uh, someone's on the top of the Mount of Olives and usually that's the picture that you get where you see the, uh, the dome and all those things. And, and I remember them letting us out of the bus and I thought, man, I can't believe we're here. And I remember us walking to that overlook and looking over the old city of Jerusalem. And that's what's going on here in Luke chapter 19. The Bible says that Jesus comes and he beholds the city. He looks out over Jerusalem. And our Bible says that he is so bothered by their apathy and he's so bothered by their sin that it literally brings the Son of God to tears. He looks out over this rebellious people and he realizes their lostness and their coldness 
And the Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ begins to cry. Now, uh, you say, Pastor, is that worth pointing out? I believe it is. Hey, Calvary, can I ask us, when is the last time that we cried over the lostness of this world? We're real good. And by the way, when I say we, I'm talking about me as well. We're, we're, we're real good at complaining and murmuring. We're, we're really good at criticizing the Democrats and criticizing the Republicans. And we're real good at criticizing our politicians and our president and our vice president and all of that. Uh, you know. But I'm just saying this. When's the last time, though, that you just got so passionate about what, what's going on in America or maybe what's not going in, on in America that you just cried? Man, you just thought about the sin that's prevalent in our nation and you just went to the Lord and you, you prayed and said, God, save this nation. And as you prayed, your heart was broken. Well, that's, that's what we find going on here in Luke 19. The Lord Jesus Christ is looking over the city and he's so burdened for Jerusalem, the Bible says, that Christ begins to cry. But not only while looking over Jerusalem, but number two, while praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, we talked about that in our Sunday school class this morning. But let me read some scripture that we did not read in our class this morning. The writer of the book of Hebrews talks about that. And he said in Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 7, Who in the days of his flesh, the Lord Jesus, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. This is that recording, of course, that the Gospel of Luke makes mention of in Luke chapter 22, when the Lord Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there he, he, he battles in prayer, and the Bible says that he prays, he prays so earnestly, the, the Bible says that his sweat became as great drops of blood. And so Christ prays while looking out over Jerusalem. The Lord Jesus Christ prays while agonizing in the Garden of Gethsemane. But the third place in our Bibles is the Lord Jesus cries while in Bethany preparing to rise or raise Lazarus from the dead. Now look at it with me if you will. John 11 and verse number 35, two little words. The Bible says, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. Interesting. I, I noticed there that the Lord Jesus Christ did not just cry. The Bible says he wept. If you look that word up, it comes from a Greek word that means to wail aloud. It means to sob. Now, church, I'm going to be honest with you. How many know that there's a difference between crying and sobbing? It's one thing to cry. We've all We've all cried from time to time, but, but when you get into the sobbing stage, that's a whole different type of crying. And our Bible says here about the Lord Jesus Christ that he didn't just cry, but the Bible says that he wept. He wept aloud, that he, that, that he was so stirred, that he was so troubled here in John chapter 11, that the Lord Jesus Christ literally began to sob. Now, there's 1,189 chapters in your Bible there's about 31,102 verses in the Bible, and John 11:35 is the shortest verse in your Bible today. But I want to tell you something. Although it's just two words, it speaks volumes and volumes of amazing truth. 
And I, boy, the Lord just showed me some things this week I'd never have understood, never really saw. Have you ever thought about this? Why did Jesus cry? We sort of understand why he looks out over Jerusalem and he's burdened about their sin, he's burdened about their rebellious heart, so he cries. We understand the Lord Jesus Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane. The cross is in view. He's getting ready to give his life. He's getting ready to become sin for you and I. We understand that. The Bible says that he pours his heart out to God and he begins to weep. He begins to cry and agonize. But why did Jesus cry in Bethany when he's getting ready to raise Lazarus from the dead? Can I give you a few thoughts this morning? How about this? Number one, did Jesus cry because of his compassion? Now, now I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's accurate. I, I do think there's accuracy in that. I believe Jesus did cry because of his compassion. I've preached that before. I've, I've even used this passage at, at funerals, and I've preached that the Lord Jesus Christ cried because he was moved by the brokenness of the crowd. He was moved by the brokenness of Mary and Martha. And, uh, and so I, I believe that. I believe that, that the Lord Jesus Christ cried because of his compassion. And I would just say this, thank God that we have a Savior who's mindful of our hurts. I don't think that does that scripture any damage at all. Thank God that we have a Savior that cares about our hurts. We used to sing a song years and years ago, an old inspiration song that said, your tears are touching God when you cry them from your heart. What? Hey, Calvary, aren't you glad that Jesus wasn't just God? But our Bible tells us that Jesus was what we call the incarnation. He was the incarnate son of God. You say, pastor, is that important? Man, you better know it's important. You know what that tells us about the incarnation? That Jesus Christ was not only 100% God, and he was, he was 100% deity, but he was the incarnation. He was also 100% man. Now, that's hard for our little minds to comprehend, but the Bible tells us that he was God and he was man. He did not lay his divinity aside to become man. He kept his divinity. He kept his deity. He kept his power, and yet he took on him the form of a man, and he became a man. You know what that tells me? Thank God that you have a Savior, and I have you a Savior. I have a Savior who knows how you feel. He knows your hurt. He knows about your brokenness. He knows about, yes, yes, he knows about your burden. You're here this morning and say, Pastor, nobody knows. Nobody understands. Yes, there is somebody that understands, and his name is Jesus. He does understand. In fact, you remember the, you remember the famous verse, don't you, in Hebrews 4.15, where the Bible says, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Did you know back in the day, back in the days of the law, there were high priests from time to time who were somewhat cold-hearted? And when the people would come and they would bring their offering and bring their sacrifice and their sin offering, sometimes maybe some of those high priests were somewhat calloused and uh, those people were just another number. Come on, get it up here. That sacrifice won't do. You'll have to buy one from us. Well, I, I brought this sheep all the way from my town. That's, your sacrifice won't do. And don't come back unless you have an adequate sacrifice. 
and so just sort of cold and uncaring. And yet the writer of Hebrews comes and says, hey, we don't have a high priest like that. <laughs> we don't have a high priest who when you come to him, he says, come on, get up here, I'm busy. Hurry up, you're bothering me, hurry. No, 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 that's what the Bible's saying. You and I have a high priest, his name is Jesus Christ, yes. Boy, somebody better hold my mule, I'm about to shout, we ain't even to the end yet, man. Thank God we have a high priest that when you come to him with your problems and your burdens and your issues and, and your broken heart and your tears and your wet pillow that you cried on all night, boy, thank God he doesn't just turn a deaf ear. Thank God I have a Savior who loves me and he cares for me. Man, oh man. In fact, listen to this scripture, Psalm 103 which is one of my absolute favorite scriptures in the Bible, maybe because it applies to me so bad or so much. Psalm 103.10, the Bible says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And verse 13 says, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. You ever came to the Lord after you messed up or something happened or you got discouraged? Maybe you got a little sideways with the Lord. Maybe you sort of got out of the will of God and weren't where you're supposed to be and you finally came back to him and you said, God, I don't know what I was thinking. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Why would I do that? Why would I say that? Why would I go there? Why would I, why would I stray away from you, Lord? I don't understand myself sometimes. Oh, man, thank God. We have a high priest who says, I know what you're made of. I'm not saying it was right. I'm not condoning your sin. I'm not condoning you straying, but oh, thank God. He says, if you'll return to me, I'll come to you. Listen, when we go back to him, well, thank God we have a God who fills our hurt. Amen. And so pre pre somebody says, preacher, do you think maybe Jesus cried out of compassion? I believe that's probably a, I do believe that's an, a valid point. But I don't think that's why he cried. It wasn't necessarily because of his compassion. How about this? Number, number two, did Jesus cry because of his comrade? It's an interesting thought. Did you know the Bible tells us specifically, and I thought this was interesting. How many know that there's nothing put in there by mistake? And the Bible tells us specifically that Jesus loved Lazarus. Look at it, if you're still in John 11, look at verse five. We didn't read this this morning, but John 11, five, the Bible says now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And listen, how many know, the more you pick this book, the wider and wider it gets. It's fresh every single time. And so I had this message prepared and ready to preach, but I went back there this morning and I read this scripture again. And as I was reading this scripture, the Holy Spirit showed me something else. 
Not only does the Bible tells us, tell us that, that Jesus loved Lazarus, but look at verse 11. Look how the Lord refers to Lazarus in verse 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, our, what? Our, our friend. <laughs> our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may wake him out of his sleep. And so Jesus says to the disciples, well, we got, a big, we got a friend in Lazarus. Some people believe that Lazarus and, uh, and uh, Martha and Mary were well-to-do. And there's probably some good evidence about that. And no doubt, Lazarus had contributed to the ministry of Christ. Probably when, when Jesus and the disciples would pass through Bethany, they always had a place to stay, that a missions or a prophet's chamber. No doubt when they came through, Mary and Martha and Lazarus said, oh, Lord, stay here. Disciples, stay here. And they fed them and they cared for them probably contributed to the ministry to take care of them. And so we know here that Christ has a comrade in Lazarus. In fact, it's also interesting that, that the Jews, that the Jewish people that were there that day definitely thought that was the motivation for Christ's tears. Look at it in your Bible. Look at John 11, verse 34. And said, Jesus, and said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. In verse 35, the Bible says, Jesus wept. Verse 36, then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. And so those Jews thought, well, that's why he's crying. Man, he really loved Lazarus. I don't know if he loved anybody like he loved Lazarus. Look at him weeping. Look at him crying aloud. Hey, Calvary, what a thought to know that Jesus not only loves Lazarus, but Jesus loves you. Aren't you glad we can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, there are religions around the world who don't believe that they can have a personal relationship with their deity. They don't believe they can know their God and their God knows them. They just serve him, but, but uh, they don't know him. Well, I want to tell you what, thank God I know him. Thank God I know him. And he's on the throne. I know him. You say, well, preacher, how do you know him? I talked to him just a little while ago. I know him. And thank God I'm glad I can come to this crowd today and I can say, hey, I got great news. Jesus loves you. Now, why is that good news? Because sometimes we're not very lovable. And yet he loves us anyway. He loves us in spite of ourselves. And so I believe that Jesus loved his comrade. I believe that Jesus loved Lazarus but I don't believe that's the reason he cried. Will you say, preacher, what was it? Can I, give you, can I give you one more? How about this? Did Jesus cry because of contempt? And I'm gonna be honest with you, the church, after studying this out, I believe this is the reason. I believe this is the main reason that the Lord Jesus Christ wept. Now follow me very, very closely. Jesus wept because of the contempt of the people. Now, let me give you something interesting here. According to Jewish oral tradition, the funeral custom indicated back, back, back in Bible days, marriage was a big, big deal and funerals were a big, big deal. And so the funeral custom was this, that even a poor family, even a poor family in Israel was required to hire two flute players and one lady who could wail and do mourning. And so... Even, a, even the poorest of families somehow had to get their pennies together 
and they had to hire two musicians who could play, and they had to hire a professional mourner, a lady, a woman, that could come and could mourn because of this death. But here's the difference here with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Evidently, they were very well off. And so they didn't have just two flute players and a professional whaler. They had many people that had come. There was evidently a very large, large crowd here uh, to mourn Lazarus' passing. Now, follow me now, church. And this large group of Jews were acting as though all hope was lost. Now, hang in there with me. So there weren't just a, a couple people and a mourner there. There was a large crowd there filling the house. Many of those had traveled in from Jerusalem because they knew Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They, they loved them. They cared about them. So here's this large crowd. And when the Lord Jesus Christ comes onto this scene, here's this large crowd of Jews, and they are performing like people with no hope. So much so that our Bible says it literally groaned the Spirit of the Lord. Look at it with me, if you will. Look at John 11, verse 33. The Bible says, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, Mary, and the Jews also weeping, large crowd, here's a large crowd, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit, and the Bible says, was troubled. Skip down to verse number 37. The Bible says, and some of them, and some of them, who's the them? This is this large crowd of people that have come to mourn the passing of Lazarus. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Look at verse 38. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, coming to the grave, groaning, groaning. You understand that word groaning doesn't speak of sympathy. When the Bible says groaning there, it is the idea of snorting with anger. So this wasn't a, when he groaned in the spirit, it wasn't out of compassion. It wasn't because he saw them crying necessarily, but the Bible says he's, he's snorting with anger. Why? Follow this now. Because these people who had the light with them and some were supposed to have the light in them, were acting like pagans. They were mourning, they were crying, they were wailing like all hope was gone. That, that This was it for Lazarus. This was it. This was his last chapter. And when Jesus saw this large crowd just moaning and groaning and, and there's no hope and you could have been here and you didn't come and, and now all hope is gone, the Bible says that Jesus Christ groaned in his spirit. Now, why is that? I'll take Zechariah. Because Jesus Christ wanted them to know something, that I am the resurrection and I am the life. Listen, as long as I'm here, there's always hope. Look at it in your Bibles, if you will. John 11, verse 23, John 11, verse 23, Jesus saith unto her to Martha, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day, verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Why did Jesus cry, preacher? Did he cry because of his compassion? I believe that may have had something to do with it, but I don't believe that's the main thing. Did he cry because of his comrade, because he loved Lazarus so deeply? That may have had something to do with it, but I'm telling you, the reason that Jesus Christ died, the uh, reason he cried is because he came upon this large crowd and they were literally acting like there is no hope when the hope was standing right smack dab in the middle of them. And no wonder Jesus, no wonder Jesus cried. Hey, let me give you three statements quickly today. Number one, let me tell you some things we learned from this story. Number one, church, death is not permanent. Death does not end it all for the believer. Let me tell you what death is. And for, for us, death's gonna come in different vehicles. For some of you, it may be cancer. For others, a car wreck. For others, a heart attack. For some, a stroke. I have no idea how you're leaving this world. I have no idea how I'm leaving this world, but I got some good news for you. Death is only the vehicle. It is the only the vehicle to make you pass from this life to the next life. And I know, just as sure as I'm standing here, that there are people that you work with and people that you go to school with and people that you're in college classes with who say, this is it, this is it, this is all there is, this is all there is, just go ahead, man, and live it up and party and have a time and, and just get the gusto out of life because we don't have a one go round and, and this is all there is. And I came here to tell you, my dear friend, that's exactly why Jesus cried because this is not it, this is not all there is. Thank God there is. Is coming another life, and that life is in Jesus. Hey, will you take your Bibles this morning and turn over the book of Hebrews? Someone says, Pastor, no, 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 this is it. This is this, this is this is all there is. Good night, church. I hope, I hope not. And I love life, but great day in the morning. I would hope there's more than this. But I don't just hope, I know. Look at Hebrews chapter nine in your Bibles. Very, very important. Hebrews chapter nine and verse number 27. The Bible says, and, and as it is appointed unto men once to die. Read the next three words with your pastor. Ready? But after, oh wow. But after this, the judgment. You know what that means? There's something else. When you take your last breath here, thank God, your next breath will be celestial air. You say, preacher, it was so sad. I, and I, I, get that, I, I get that part, and I would never be a little of that. You're... you're standing or sitting beside the bed of your loved one and you're holding their hand. And as you hold their hand, they take their last breath and you say, oh, preacher, it's so sad. I get it. And he gets it. He feels your hurt. But church, this is what he wants you to understand. That's not all there is. And, 
as you hold his hand or her hand on this side. Come on now. Hey, when they close their eyes in death and they take their last breath over here, the next hand they hold is a nail-scarred hand. This is not all there is. Hey, listen to, listen to Luke 16, 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. How about Psalm chapter 90, verse number 10? The Bible says the days of our years are threescore years and 10. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off. But I got good news, Calvary. That verse don't end there. For it is soon cut off. And we fly away. And we fly away. Somebody says, Pastor, this is it. This is all there is. Boy, I feel sorry for you. You're watching this broadcast today and you say, Pastor, there is nothing after this. I feel sorry for you. I don't know when the day of my death is coming. I have no idea how the, the, my death is going to come, what the vehicle may be, but I do know this. When that death takes place, my Bible says I'll be cut off and I'll, I'll fly away. Amen. And so death is not permanent. Quickly, number, number two. I believe you ought to understand this, that death should be prepared for. Now, we have, I say we, I don't know that Calvary does, but there, you, you, did you know that there are people in this world today who are so scared of death they won't even plan their funeral? Did you know, church, did you know there are folks that are so fearful of death they won't even visit the funeral home to show their respects? Some won't go to a hospital. When somebody says, you need life insurance, I don't want to think about it. You need to go ahead, you know, start planning your ceremony. And they're like, man, I don't even want to think about that day. I'm not so much as talking about your funeral arrangements. I'm talking about your eternity. Did you know that Amos 4.12, the Bible says this, prepare to meet thy God. You say, well, preacher, one of these days, you don't know it's going to be one of these days. You might meet your God today. You say, Pastor, it's not going to happen. You don't know that. We talk about coming back tonight. We don't know we'll be back tonight. You say, Pastor, I can't wait to go home. You know, we're going out to eat somewhere, or my wife's got a roast cooked, or we've got fried chicken. Listen, I hope you make it, but I'm just telling you, we don't know we're going to make it. And the Bible says that we better, listen, we better, we better prepare to meet our God. Second Corinthians 6 verse 2 says this, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now, now is the day of salvation. Psalm 90 verse number 12, the psalmist said it like this, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You say, Pastor, can you give me some wisdom? Yes. Prepare to meet thy God. Are you ready? Well, I hope he's ready. I'm, I didn't say he. I said you. Are you ready? Well, preacher, I, you know, years ago I said a prayer. You know, one, two, three, repeat after me. I'm good. No evidence. No change of life. 
We'll talk about that tonight. Are you ready? It's why, I'm, you know, I'm saved. Preacher, I got saved. You know, it's revival, you know, and I walked down. And I, got, and I, got, I know I got saved. Wonderful. Are you ready? If you stood before God, the, the God of all gods today, are you ready? By the way, that's why we have church. God sent your pastor here as a gift to encourage you. You better get ready. Well, preacher, I appreciate your zeal and everything, but it ain't going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> You're going to look at all that's happened in our church in the last year or two and all that's happened in our nation in the last year or two and try to say that you've got a handle on life? I don't think so. And so death should be prepared for. We're done today, church. We're done. But how about this? I love it. Number three, death should be looked upon as precious. Now look in your Bibles, if you will, with me. We're done today. Psalm 116. This will be the last place probably we'll take you today. Psalm 116, verse number 15, we read a very <laughs> captivating verse. Psalm 116, verse number 15. God says this. He says, or the psalmist says it like this. Precious, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, we read that and we think, Lord, a preacher, how could the Lord make such a statement as that? And here's the answer to that, church. Because God knows about things that we don't know about. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I think it was George McDonald who said this, if we knew as much about heaven as God did, every time a saint died, we'd clap. Mm -hmm. You said, preacher, you're being disrespectful. I don't think so. You know why you think I'm being disrespectful? Because we don't know as much about heaven as he knows. And I'm not saying there's not sadness when a loved one departs and there's not a parting and there's not an empty, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying this, if we somehow, Calvary, if you and I could just somehow comprehend how wonderful heaven's gonna be, when we watch these saints take their last breath, we'd say, wow, man, think about it. Young lady, young lady, had went to the doctor. She was having some issues. She went to the doctor. And the doctor ran several tests. And days later, he came back and he called her in and he said, I have some very bad news. He said, you've got something that's inoperable, something that's, that's uh, we don't have the technology to fix this. And he said, young lady, I'm sorry to tell you, he said, you have two months to live. So she calls her pastor over to her house. Pastor and his wife came. She sat them down and she said, preacher. And she told them about the doctor's visit. She said, the doctor doesn't have two months to live. And they're like, honey, we're so sorry. She said, well, here's what I want to do. She said, I want to plan out my service. And so she began to give them everything. She said, preacher, this is the scripture that I would like read 
And he's writing all this down. She said, and she called a few folks in the church. She said, I'd like for this brother to sing, and I'd like for sister so-and-so to sing, and, and I really love this song, and I'd like to have it played at my funeral. And he said, honey, that's fine. He's writing all this down. And, he's, and she said, I want you to, to speak. And she mentioned some other folks. She said, I'd like them to speak at my funeral. And she said, I want to make sure, she said, I want you to make sure that I'm dressed in. And she told uh, him, him and his wife exactly what she wanted to be dressed in in the casket. And the preacher's writing all this down. And they end their conversation, and the preacher and his wife are getting ready to leave. And she says, preacher, wait a minute. There's one more thing. She said, I want you to, in the casket, I want you to put a fork in my hand. And he said, excuse me? She said, I want you to put a fork in my hand. He said, young lady, why would you want something like that? She said, preacher, when I was growing up, and she said every once in a while, my mom and dad and myself, we would go out to some fancy, fancy restaurant, and we would eat this scrumptious meal. She said the servers would come out to gather our utensils and our, you know, clean up the dirty dishes, and then they would say this, save your fork. Because the best is yet to come. I hope you enjoyed your meal, but dessert is on its way out. Save your fork. And that young lady said to that preacher, she said, preacher, when people are coming by that casket and they see me in this outfit and they see that fork in my hand and they ask, why in the world does she have a fork in her hand? I want you to tell them for this young lady, the best is yet to come. So here's all these Jews, and they're just lamenting and wailing and crying. This is it. There's no hope. And Jesus says, what are you talking about? You are standing in the midst of the resurrection. Hey, church, the best is yet to come. You may be here this morning and, boy, you're going through a trial right now or you're going through some type of a valley. And you say, Pastor, I never knew life could be this bad. I got some good news. Hold on to your fork. Hold on to your fork because the best is yet to come. Would you bow your heads with us this morning? Father, thank you for this time that we've had together today. Father, remind somebody today the best is still yet to come. Remind that child of God that's discouraged this morning the best is yet to come. Remind that child of God that's a little downcast right now the best is yet to come. God, remind them. Remind that mom and dad. Remind that one that sleeps in the bed by themselves. The best is yet to come. God, remind that one here today in our midst that may be lost and undone without Christ. Maybe they're depending on their little prayer that they prayed years ago. Maybe they're depending on some kind of a card or something that they signed. But there's no genuine conversion that ever took place. Help them to understand 
that, Lord, they better prepare for death. Have your way in this invitation, please, Lord, and we thank you and praise you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Question or two. How many are here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt that I would go to heaven. If that's you, without anybody looking, you just raise your hand. Amen. Give the Lord a wave offering there. Yes, he is worthy of it. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. Who's here today would say, Pastor, if I die, I'm not sure of heaven. I'm sure I've went through some motions. I'm sure I don't want to go to hell, but I'm not sure about heaven. And I want you to pray for me today. Is there one like that? You'd slip your hand up. I see that hand, and I see that hand. And who else? Who else? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Oh, listen, please don't misbehave right now. Please don't misbehave. We're standing between the living and the dead right now. Who else is here? Preacher, if I died, I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there another? Is there another? Can I pray for you right before we pray? All right? With heads bowed and eyes closed. How many are here right now and you'd say, Brother Pope or Preacher, I am saved, but I'm not, my life's not really where it needs to be with Christ. And if I had to meet God today, I'm not sure that I would be completely ready. Well, would you pray with me? Would you pray with me about that? That I would live the Christian life that he would be pleased with. If that's you with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking, would you just slip your hand up right now? You say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Can I pray for you today? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Our heads are bowed. If you're here this morning and God has spoken to your heart, hey, I want to encourage you to come. We're going to ask our personal workers to just make their way down to the front. And we have some folks down here in the front with a Bible in their hand. And if you're here this morning and you raised your hand and said, Preacher, I am not sure about heaven. Here's what I want you to do. Just as soon as I pray, I want you to make your way down. And we've got somebody here that wants to show you from the Bible how you can be saved. We're not going to make you give a speech. We're not going to make you do anything like that, nothing like that. But we would like to take the Bible and show you how you can be in heaven, okay? That's all we're going to do. That's it. And so if you are here this morning, and I thank God's dealing. So Christian, would you, would you pray right now? Would you pray? Father, thank you for reminding us of eternity today. Thank you for these that have made it a point to be in the house of the Lord today. And God, thank you for these that have raised their hands and said they're not sure about heaven. Father, in just a moment, I pray that you give them the courage to come. And we want to show them from the Bible how they can be born again. Help them to come. Give them courage. And Lord, right now, would you give them faith? Father, I pray you'd give them faith right now. And then, Lord, I pray that Christians would come and maybe rededicate their lives to Christ. 
Maybe Christians would come and just get around the old-fashioned altar and just pray for the, for the sinners, for the lost. My God, maybe there's somebody here today and they're discouraged. The enemy has come and tried to get them discouraged. And today they would come and let somebody pray for them. Lord, have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're gonna sing in just a minute, but before we do that, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I raised my hand a while ago. I want right now, I want you to come. All right, I want you to come. Just step out. Just step out. There'll be somebody here to help you with the Bible, okay? Would you come? Would you come while we wait? We're going to wait just for a moment. Preacher, I don't know about heaven, but I know I don't want to go to hell. Would you, could you help me? We can. Will you come? Just wherever you may be, just step out right now. Just step out and come. We have somebody here with a Bible who wants to help you today. Would you come while we wait? Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for giving us of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, thank you for just encouraging us today. Thank God we have something to look forward to called heaven. Lord, thank you that this is not all there is. Thank you that we have hope. God, we have a blessed hope. The best is yet to come. Father, help us to be witnesses. Help us to be soul winners. Father, I pray that you'd encourage hearts today. God, do a, do a work, I pray. And I pray that Jesus receive glory from it all. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You say, Pastor, I've never been in a church like this and I've never walked an aisle. That's fine. I, I certainly understand. Why don't you do this then? Why don't you ask the person beside you if they would come with you? And I'll promise you they'll come. And say, hey, would you go with me down there to the front? 